Welcome to episode 224 of the No Persinium podcast, the voice of everything immersive. I'm your host, Noah Nelson, coming to you from the No Pro studio, aka the kitchen table, here in Los Angeles. This week on the show, oh, you know, you know I'm excited. Uh, well, when we recorded it, I was totally excited, and now I'm excited to bring it to you. But I was, I, to be honest, I was more excited while we were recording it. Um we're bringing you uh, an episode dedicated to Vader Immortal, Episode 3, The Closing of the Circle. Your training is complete, and now you must face Vader. Um, this was recorded just a week ago uh, at the press event for it. We've got Ben Snow, who's the director of Vader Immortal, of, of the whole uh, project. Uh, Alyssa Finley. Uh, who produced episodes two and three, John Wynn, who is the design director on episode three, and Colm Slevin, who is the head of media in the AR VR experiences team at Oculus. Um, uh, Colm is, is, he's the guy who, uh, who makes sure that we, we get all this cool stuff uh, on Oculus. Uh, he and um, our, our friend Yelena Ruchitsky, uh, who are in that division, uh, they, they are our champions uh, to make sure that VR is cool. And, you know, this week, uh, this week, VR, VR is pretty cool this week. Like it's, it's been a long time since I think we could have any kind of sense of swagger about VR, but this week we're going to have some swagger, uh, check it. Vader Immortals out, like all of it's out. Uh, it is now set up so that if you buy an Oculus Quest, you just get Vader Immortal. So, um, that's good. <laughs> that's an, that's an, that's an unequivocal good thing. Um, we've got a review of Vader Immortal up on the site uh, that I did. The Under Presents, which is Tenderclaw's fusion of VR gaming and like like adventure gaming and immersive theater, uh, because it's using for at least the next few months, there are live actors who are being dropped in. And when I say live actors who are being dropped in, I'm talking about live immersive actors. Uh, for the LA squad, you might uh, you might be able to recognize some folks uh, if you can kind of listen closely and follow the behaviors, because Dasha Kittredge is up in there, uh, Caitlin Schiller's in that beast, uh, Haley Michelle's in there. Uh, you've got um, oh god, I'm gonna I'm gonna butcher Brandon's last name. Brandon has been a bunch of delusions uh, he's in there like I was not as usual no notes in front of me I'm going off my memory um <laughs> you know Paula Rubio's husband um <laughs> that's how I think of him sorry Brandon um I met I met Paula first so that's how my brain works okay so um well, now that I've embarrassed myself, you know, I just, I embarrass myself constantly. It's what I do. Wait, wait till you get to my interview with Curtis, uh, and Jake, uh, when we talk about Jumanji in a week, uh, right, right from the start, I just blow it. Uh, and then everything goes fine. So, uh, it's just, it's, it is the way, um, okay. So the under is out. Will did this beautiful review of it. Uh, really just just gets into what makes it special and indeed also uh, what what makes it kind of uh, some parts of it a little difficult so pulling no punches um and 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 showing uh showing no favoritism uh because just for the record I consulted on that um I'm not running around screaming it from the top of my lungs because it's not really about you know what I did on it I just helped find some actors and and we put together uh, the um what do you call it um audition process which which frankly was a, a gas for me uh, to be part of uh because I've just I've dreamt of this for a long time there 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 are a couple of things I've always dreamed about in VR uh, one uh because of the diamond age uh, I dreamt about the whole idea of raptors, uh, just actors being able to don a VR rig and uh, you know, from the comfort of their own home and and go take a gig, uh, take a gig performing for people, uh, playing the NPC in someone's game or as it is in the Diamond Age, uh, being someone's, you know, interactive tutor. Uh, these are 
this was a, an idea that was presented in that novel uh, that I read while I was in college, and I just absolutely fell in love with it and wished that I could just roll out of college and take that job. Well, 20 years later, that job exists. <laughs> um, I, was, I was born at the wrong time. Um, or maybe I was born at the right time, because the other dream I've always had uh, is of going toe-to-toe with Darth Vader, and you get to do that. Indeed, you must do that in order to complete the cycle of Vader Immortal here in episode three. And lo and behold, all my VR dreams are coming true. And um, it's it's only going to get more interesting from here on out. Also, uh, big news over for, uh, because uh, Valve has finally announced that they're expanding on the Half-Life universe, something that we all just figured was dead at this point. And they're doing it in the form of a VR game that's not only coming to their own headsets, but will also be coming to pretty much any headset. Uh, and even the Quest uh, using the the link that's going to be uh, up and about. Because right now, the, the Oculus Quest, and, and I've got to say this for the record, I get no money for this. And indeed, Facebook qua Facebook often drives me up the wall. Um, sorry, <laughs> making it hard for people to share this around. But like, look, Facebook's a complicated company. Um, and I love what they're doing over at Oculus, and I get I get very frustrated with what's happening over in other parts of Facebook. Uh, and then there's other parts of Facebook that are like, oh, this is good, this is working out. It's it's so vast. Uh, it's such a it's such it's such a big part of the fabric of our lives. Um, and uh, anyway, that's that's a whole nother tangent that I wasn't expecting to get onto. But you know my brain. The point is, is that as I look at this thing, as I reach out for it here, because it's, it's plugged in and charging up because I'm going to use it so much this weekend. Um, the Oculus Quest is right now, without a doubt, um, the best bang for your buck in virtual reality. Because it's a standalone unit, because you can play a and experience a whole bunch of stuff without any wires and without anything but the unit itself. This really is, this is what what VR needed to be. This is table stakes. But then on top of it, for those of you who want the latest and the greatest and the highest graphic fidelity in terms of you know processors on your computers, they're setting it up so that there'll be a link cable which will let the Quest effectively turn into a rift which is the uh, desktop uh, or really expensive laptop uh, assisted um, platform for the content Uh, and that's indeed what half-life alex is going to be coming out on because uh, they're going to be pushing the specs pretty hard if you are interested in vr if 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 this is something that you've been curious about this is a great time to jump in uh, this holiday season. The bundles are good. You get Vader with it. You, you're able to do stuff like uh, the underpresents, uh, and you're able to poke around and explore. And indeed, the more of us weirdos who are out there and playing Vader Immortal and interacting with the underpresents and and driving things forward, the, the weirder it's going to be able to be because there is a future where VR is just shooter games till the cows come home. Uh, and there's another future where weird escape room stuff and visual novels and strange social things and virtual Dungeons and Dragons tables and things that feel like LucasArts adventure games. Um, that's the future, uh, you know, and, and hey, shooters too. But but that future where VR is, is expansive and weird and wonderful, that's the one that I believe in, that I want to see. And that's the one that we get to see so much of the potential of in Vader Immortal Episode 3. The team at the ILMX Lab is just doing such good work these days on the Quest, on the Rift, over there at the Void. uh, Just hit after hit after hit. And in some ways it's almost unfair uh, they are ILM after all, but honestly, like there's just a process by which they are 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 working, and there is a, there's a philosophy behind what they're doing, and an attention to detail that I wish was just table stakes, right? Like 
I get when it comes to visuals and everything that like not everyone can necessarily like push unreal as far as it can go. But when you're thinking through design, when you're thinking through how you're not only telling a story, but you're letting someone live a story, that's the approach that's necessary. And that's the approach that's necessary in order to make the case for why VR for far too long now. And, and there's, there's stuff I'll get in on the other end for far too long now. Uh, it really has felt like the, the point has just been, oh, let's sell people another device to keep on pushing the stuff we already do. Can we sell what we're already making on another screen? And because of that, because of that, VR has had such a hard time, right? But right now, at this moment, this very week, we're starting to see what the future really could be. And it's there if we want it. Okay. Um, I put a rant at the top of the show. I haven't done that in a while. Apologies. Um, I also know that like, <laughs> like I just like kept it from getting spread around certain offices because of part of that rant. But hey, um, my show, I don't censor myself. There you go. And I don't censor myself because I have your support. Indeed, our Patreon backers are right now, I mean, that is the largest personal income I have, which is terrifying because uh, it's $1,792 a month and I live in Los Angeles. Um, so we can work on this, but I want to thank our latest backers, Crystal Lohman and Arthur Zards. And I want to thank Bernie Sue, who upped uh, his pledge this week. We're up to 314 people. And like I said, 1,792, we are $8 away from our next big milestone of $1,800 a month. And look, you know, you know what my dream is. My dream is just a thousand small dollar backers that give us what we need in order to, to push through, uh, to break the, the shackles of freelancing and to become that independent source that can make more and more of a difference in the world. And we're working on a couple of different angles to, to make that bigger. But at the end of the day, you folks are the folks that make it happen. And we do it for you. And honestly, uh, if you want us to stick around, we continue to need your help. The biggest thing you can do, because I know so many of you give already, the biggest thing you can do is spread the word. Spread the word. Everything immersive this week is there for that. The picks of the week are there for that. The reviews, just getting word out there can really help us. Uh, we, we do a pretty good conversion rate in terms of the number of people who are, are engaging with the stuff you can, you can look a 10% conversion rate on off of social. It's a pretty good conversion rate for this. Um, all right, that's enough of that nonsense. Patreon.com slash no proscenium. And as we always note, our sustaining backers are Mark Baltazar, Jan Budman, Paul F. Lonnie Hansen. Congratulations on opening camp Christmas, Lonnie. Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mustry, and Sydney Guillory. Also, just a note, Ari writes a lot about the music industry, and he's got a great piece up right now about what the freelance laws in California for next year are going to do. Uh, a little bit more on that after the break. Uh, after the break. <laughs> after the interview. The interview is not the break. The interview is the reason why you're listening to the show. Most of you have skipped forward. Noah, can you put like notes on when your rant ends uh, in the thing? No, I will not do that. I'm not going to make that easier on you. All right. Um, well more on the back end uh let's get into this interview and uh in some ways sorry it took so long because this is a good one all right i'll see you on the other side thank you all for taking the time to speak with me today uh because we have four guests on this episode this might want to be a full episode uh why don't we start to our right with the director uh yes my name's ben snow and yes i was director of vader immortal my name is Alyssa finley i was the producer for episodes two and three of vader immortal my name is john nguyen i'm the design director for vader immortal episode three my name is colin slavin i'm the head of media in the air vr experiences team at oculus all right colin good to see you ben good to see you um we we did this uh, we did this for episode one. Uh, ben and Colm were there. Um, the thing that I was thinking about this morning before I even like jumped into episode three, um, 
goes goes like design nerd like what what did you as a team learn by the end of this process like you started off and i'm tapping this table it's sorry everybody that's me my fault um when you went in you went in with an idea about what this could be but any creative idea always runs into the reality of production what was the lesson what's the big takeaway for all of you as a team and as, as individual producers and designers on this um i think well we we went in to explore uh, how to tell a narrative in, in VR and we wanted there to be interactions and experience so that the player would feel like they were actually part of the environment and story. Originally, actually, um, we prototyped it and it had been very passive. I think we talked about episode one. And so as we went along, it was just trying to get the balance between narrative and interaction and just... Uh, giving you a chance to explore what, us a chance to explore what would be fun in VR in the, in the Star Wars context. Yeah, and um, we, from the get-go, kind of understood what the story we wanted to tell was. Uh, at the end, you were always going to confront Vader and, you know, have a little showdown with him. Um, and to get to that point, I mean, we took a lot of learnings from episodes one and two. Um, we Episode one was a bit more experimental, uh, so we were trying to ease you into the VR world and the kind of settings that we're trying to kind of create for us episode two you know we went from walking to running a little bit uh we give you some force powers and kind of build on a lot of the stuff that we learned from episode one and then episode three kind of this is when we're sprinting we kind of you know what your goal is your goal is still confront vader here are the tools that we have taught you from episode one and two and a little bit more fun stuff like you can like you play the blasters and thermal detonators in episode three um, we kind of just let it all loose so that you can kind of choose the way you want to play and how you would want to actually confront Vader yourself. Yeah, no, I think I think more than anything, it's about saying yes to uh, what the player is trying to do and making sure that they have the ability to play they want the way they want to play. That's that's particularly interesting. That this idea of saying yes to how the player wants to to play was. That's something that as you as you tested and went through from episode to episode that you, you saw which way you could start to lean. I think absolutely from the very beginning, every time every time someone would go through the experience, you would see what they would try to do and we would try to respond to that. Um, and I think um, as the player gets more and more tools al along the way, it gives them not just the ability to do something, but the ability to pick which way they take on a challenge. Yeah, which feels, which harkens back to me, kind of like a step beyond. I'm always wind up thinking about the old Lucas Arts games uh, and the adventure games when I'm I'm in this. Everyone's smiling right now, by the way. Um, <laughs> just just the visual is necessary. Like four smiles at once was awesome. Um, and and that was something that actually always frustrated me about those games was that it was pick up this elephant trunk, put it in this one thing. It was it was you know, adjective, noun, or noun, it was noun, verb, yeah. noun, verb, noun, verb, and noun. It's so frustrating and obscure sometimes in those oh, games, yeah. but great at the same time. Yeah. Uh, it's funny. I got stuck at the beginning of Fate of Atlantis because I yeah. literally couldn't find the, the, the oracalcum. I know. Bead. Well, I actually replayed that uh, not that long ago because I do really admire the way they did uh, a lot of their, um, their mixture of narrative and stuff. It, I think it's interesting from our perspective for sure. And they, um, I was constantly on YouTube or whatever and looking <laughs> up, how do you get past this thing? Because uh, yeah, yeah, just screaming at my computer in yeah. college, where is it? I don't know. Yeah. I thought this was going to be fun. We were uh, trying to not have that happen in this case. like, and uh, But do it in a way that, you know, the characters weren't too naggy and stuff. So they would prompt you. It was our... our First order of business is to say the character will try and help you yeah. in story. Yeah, and that then... that happened to me just now. There was a moment, and it was great because I was like really cocky. I like I like saw something. I was like, oh cool, I know what to do. And there's like that didn't that didn't do it. What's going on? Where do we go? And then finally, he's always like, oh that thing over there. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, <laughs> yeah. Which honestly. I may have I may have watched Star Wars last night. Uh, that that feels very Star Wars. It's like I know what I'm doing. Of course I know what I'm doing. You have no idea what you're doing, dude. Not not a clue. Don't not a, yeah. Don't get cocky. Don't get yeah. Don't get cocky, kid. Um, Colm, how? What is this taught Oculus mm. 
uh, because I mean, one, this has been sort of this has been a tentpole release, mm-hmm. um, and there's so much going on here in terms of of on on bringing this to market, the episodic nature of it, the fact that it's a story adventure. Um, what are you guys learning mm-hmm. about about your own install base? And, and yeah. how these things play. No, it's a great question. I mean, the, the main thing we've learned to our delight is that our collective hypothesis that we had along with the XLab team, that there are people out there who crave stories and crave, you know, being immersed in stories, as well as people who love playing games just purely for the sake of playing games. Uh, and it's, it's really borne that out. So it's taught us a lot about people, you know, the things that just reading the comments in the reviews on Vader Immortal has been educational because people literally saying things that, unless it was Ben Snow sort of ghostwriting <laughs> these, literally, literally saying things like, "I feel like I'm in a movie. I feel, I feel like I'm playing a role in a Star Wars movie." Like, like the, those are those are music to our ears because because that it we believe that stories ultimately are a, are a, they're a universal language as yeah. as you know right and and this is to me the the killer app for uh, virtual reality entertainment will be this this ancient form will be storytelling but it requires these these new tools and these new techniques and it's interesting that you bring up the LucasArts adventure games and the and the notion of branching narrative because i feel like actually these are the great great grandchildren of that of the, these episodes of that technique but brought to a whole new level and the the crux of the challenge of storytelling in vr is the balance between agency and narrative yeah. right is the balance between you can do stuff but we have a story to tell you so we need to we need to pull you through the story without telegraphing that we're pulling you through the story and i think this team has done it has done that masterfully well and it feels like by by the end of the third episode it feels like you have a full vocabulary, right, of verbs, right, and like this is something I keep coming back to because it's it's a it's a I mean it's it's pretty rote in VR to talk about verbs and in games to talk about verbs, but to to have it be this step beyond because it's not just the abstraction of hit these buttons to make this verb, but just do the verb, mm. right, and and now. It's you get to the end, and you're like, oh, but now I know how to do this. Like, what's <laughs> next? Um, that's just an observation, not a question. The question that that that's kind of <laughs> okay. spiritually related is, what's something that you had from the start as like, ah, oh, I really want us to do this that just worked. Like, what was like, okay, it's on the board. If nothing else, we need to do thing X. Well, I mean, we wanted to be able to have, end up fighting Vader, yeah. confronting Vader, and um, that was a challenge for sure. And just to get the idea that a lightsaber clash could work, I mean, we had it in the dojo, but there were sort of very strong restrictions we put on in terms of you're in one spot and that sort of thing. So they came to you, whereas with him, we wanted it to feel like, you know, if you got in a couple of big blows that he would react and that's oh sorry that he would react and that sort of thing um so that was that was key i don't know though it was really things we were surprised like in the first one we did those puzzles for when you're breaking in and sneaking around that we just didn't realize how much fun that would actually be in vr with with i mean you know the design team were throwing in things like the thermal detonators kind, Mm -hmm. kind of came into being right like yeah, the story about that was uh, we actually never thought about putting thermal detonators in episode three uh, until a little bit later because the art team were just making props. And one of the props was a thermal detonator. Um, the engineering team saw that and was like, you know what would be really cool? To throw these things and make them explode. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they prototyped that in. And then, you know, in the, the fight in the gantry with the stormtroopers, uh, we started just throw, letting them drop thermal detonators for you to grab, force grab, and kind of throw back. And that was just super fun. I mean, it's so intuitive t- to grabbing a, th- a detonator, a grenade-looking thing, and you just intuitively know you're going to throw it back and it's going to explode. So that's one of those vocabularies where, you know, the art and kind of the experience itself lend it itself to helping you understand what you were doing. And that's just something that is intuitive. But I'm just going to jump in as a, as a player of the first experience because I only started on the second one. 
climbing the ladder, hmm. that was the thing that it never occurred to me was the thing that I most wanted to do in VR. And no one had ever told me that until I put my hand on that first climb. And then from there, that was so delightful. Well, and then, and then in the second one that the stakes get raised with the dark ghast. Yeah. I mean, I was in my room cursing <laughs> because I, I mean, that's a childhood nightmare for me is like being grabbed at by a rancor like thing. And, and so, and to not only just be like, it's one thing like playing like a horror video game and like a jump scare. And that's a very specific type of, of terror, but to be in what is essentially a vulnerable position, your arms are up, you are exposed, you can't close down and, and curl up. Suddenly there's this, this level of dynamic and maybe, maybe John and maybe Ben, everyone could talk to like this, this idea of, you know, the player's body as controller. Yeah. Right. I think um, interactions become very intuitive. You really do things. So it's not like you're doing some, you know, X, Y's button combination thing to do everything, which I think makes it incredibly intuitive. But it, I, it's also key to, I think, immersion as well, that you feel like, okay. And honestly, the more we can, uh, you know, as, the, as, as VR becomes more mature and the machines get more powerful and we'll be able to set it up. So ideally you can interact with every single thing. I mean, you know, so it's uh it's it's definitely i think it's it's more powerful the fact that you can do things with your hands and i mean i, I actually the gesture like the force is we wanted it to feel like when when you imagine yourself doing it when you see it in the movies how do we make it as close to that as possible yeah. i mean we ended up having to use a button because we need to know that you're throw your intent you need to communicate I want to do that, and we haven't yet tapped into your brain, but maybe that's next. Yeah, know. yeah, no. Um, I mean, it's definitely the idea of presence in VR. Like, you know, you're in the world. Your actions and your movements should reflect what the actual character is going to uh, do. Um, one moment where I had that happen to me was during a lightsaber clash. Um, I was in the clash, and then the slow lightsaber squ- swing was kind of coming towards me, and I did a matrix move back to kind of dodge the swing. <laughs> And then the game registered that. Uh, and so, you know, giving a little bit of that throughout the experience kind of helps. Just if you think you should be able to do something, we're going to try our best to support that. Yeah, I think the the thought I had about it as these guys were talking was thinking back to looking at index cards on a cork board or whatever, you know, back in 2017 yeah. and talking about, well, we, we, we know we got to have lightsabers we we would really like to have the force um and then all the way down the line of the different things well you're going to be climbing you're going to be solving puzzles you, you the different physical mechanics that the team was planning and putting together to uh to sort of uh build a sense of immersion but to see the sort of symphonic nature of how it all comes together in episode three and how dynamic it is and how the how the sort of the play becomes almost emergent where you're like, well, what happens like the other, the other day I was like, well, what happens if I don't use the lightsaber? And if I grab two blasters and just John Woo it, like what, like, what will that be like? Or, or what will be like if I, if I just do grenades and blasters or what will be like if I, if I deflect or like just the, the flexibility of it and seeing all of those like rudimentary mechanics that as John was saying, you started out teaching, teaching the audience how to, how to walk in episode one. And then suddenly in episode three, you've got this sort of Olympic triathlon of different stuff going on is pretty remarkable. And the fact, I, what I realized was I didn't actually think about that until you asked the question about the different design pieces and how it all fits together. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's the challenge that any developer wrestles with about how to take those abstractions and turn them into, into uh, delightful pieces of play. Yeah, we mm. want a plausible outcome. And so I think that that, John and the team really did a great job in terms of the design of making it so that if I throw a stormtrooper at the pilot of one of the skiffs, then the whole thing will crash. And, you know, it's just really rewarding, I think, playing it in different ways or trying things in there. Something else that's interesting to me is there's so much cinematic language, uh, in, particularly in, in two and three um, 
I, I keep on thinking of, and, and when I talk to people about sort of what's possible with cinema in, in VR, the moment in two when you first, when you're on the platform and you rise up and you first see the marching horde. Yeah. And it, it feels like the VR equivalent of wipe to skybox yeah. Vista. <laughs> and, and whereas, I mean, you do, you do use, you know, clear points kind of like almost like, you know, paragraph breaks in in this to like here's this marker be here okay yeah. we're gonna set you because we, we've got to set up yeah but even when you're not doing that uh, I wonder if you guys could talk a, a bit about how how the cinematic language of Star Wars which is which is perhaps the most critical part the baseline for all people right is like Star Wars looks a certain way. It, yeah. it, it has a certain set of, of nouns to it and, and lenses, literally lenses that are used. How that, tr how the process of, of getting that feeling and that look when you don't control the camera all the time, where it, does the design process? I mean, that happen? was one of the, I mean, that's sort of one of the things we set out to do and talked a lot about it in the start. And it's very important to us. Um, you know, I, was a VFX soup on one of the Star Wars prequels and have been working with Star Wars for, you know, 20 years plus. And um, the team, you know, we have a mixture of people from all different backgrounds. Um, some of them worked on the movies, a lot of them, and a lot of them worked on games. And then we also did some things like Star Tours, the ride. So we have that mixture of disciplines that are all coming together with this. But we wanted it to feel like you were stepping into a movie for sure and so you know the concept artists were the, the concept artists that work on the films and so you know the environments and stuff were all what feeling like star wars so it was uh it was i think getting the the visual look and the fidelity of the visuals to be as good as they could be but then just setting up shots and saying okay well from this point of view it's going to look this way compositionally and trying to also get the notion of pacing in there as well. So editing so that things moved at a certain clip and stuff. So I think all of that was key. But also Star Wars has, I think it's important, those big vistas because they are transporting into another world. So then we built in things like the, you know, the reveal of the funicular railway up into the droid army chamber that, that you have in two and the flight across Mustafar up to Vader's castle and then looking up to see, wow, what's happening at the top. That's definitely stuff that we were consciously like, the sort of thing that you would see in a Star Wars film. Yeah, and we really tried to lean in to the VR-ness of just the space. Um, so like Ben said, the flight up to the castle, we really wanted the small tunnel first that kind of you know, grows small to a little hole and then kind of bursts up into a big open space, which is the outside of Mustafar. I mean, just feeling that in VR just makes it more um, grand, uh, really, than what you can kind of portray on a 2D screen. Because you can look around, you can look up, you can look down. Um, so you you, know, you can really just engage yourself in the here and now of the experience. The contrast of space and going from small environments to large environments is something we consciously did in all uh, of the episodes. and. So, you know, we have a nice grand vista and then we'll get into something a little bit more intimate. Yeah, and that, and that kind of functions almost like as the editing, right? The, yeah. the pace, right? You know, when you're when you're in small, you know you're moving quickly. There's there's maybe richer levels of details, but there's like repeating patterns so you don't get yourself too lost. Yeah, one of, one of the things we, we think about a lot and we talk about a lot is the relationship of, of the discipline of architecture to design in, in VR. And... A couple of years ago, uh, long before actually, long before Vader Immortal, uh, we had run a development lab with a with a bunch of indie developers, um, and brought in a bunch of cross disciplinary, different sort of speakers and and craftspeople and artists to talk to them about stuff. And the most resonant talk was an architect who talked about storytelling uh, using space and light. Was this the Devil back in twenty sixteen? Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah I was right. there. I was there. Yeah. 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 So yeah. so you know exactly what Ben is saying and what what John is saying. Using you know constraining and choking uh you know to some degree in a narrow or confined space and then exploding into a, into another space that tells a story you know architects tell stories with space and light and, and form and it's it's one of the most relatable disciplines to the craft of design in vr and, and vader immortal is a perfect example of that do you find that that 
designers, I'm going to stay calm for a second. Do you, do you find that uh, are designers talking about this, not just this principle, but like how this is being executed here in the Vader Immortal series? Because I feel like there, there's so much of the, the language of VR can really be found. Like if I wanted to like, if I wanted to take someone at USC games, mm-hmm. who's like, oh, I'm thinking about doing, you know, a VR thing. I would just say, well, you start, you know, first it's like, well, first go look at Beat Saber because you need to look at Beat Saber. And then the second thing is like, you need to do this right. because this has all, all your, your starter set of, of vocabulary is here. Yeah. I think, you know, to range further afield from Vader Immortal for a second, one of the, one of the biggest challenges and opportunities we have in this, in this craft and in this medium is the establishment of a vocabulary. Like, you know, we, we've, it's taken a hundred years to establish the, the, the sort of very, very definitive, uh, language of cinema. Um, and we're not that deep into VR yet. So I think that you, you will hear people talking about, you know, uh, I didn't, I didn't have that insight about architecture alone. Like uh, everyone is talking about that kind of thing. I don't think we have the language yet. We don't have the taxonomy. We haven't established, you know, we don't have the words for an establishing shot or the words that the equivalent of those things. Um, but I think the examples, there are really great examples emerging of, like you mentioned, Pete Saber, but things like Pistol Whip and Audica and like you're seeing this uh, uh, emergent uh, set of experiences that are about rhythm and movement and embodiment and, and, uh, and, and music. And then you're seeing stories that are emerging that are grounded in physical space and in the use of physical space and the use of, of interactivity to navigate that's an agency to navigate that physical space and sort of reveal a story. I think Vader Immortal is one of the best examples of that particular craft, but I think the language is still early days. Yeah. And, and also you know, Vader Immortal rooted in character, right? Like you get enough time by the end of this, we've spent what, like two, about two hours yes, with, with all hours, these characters. Yeah. And so you start to, and, and, and there's a moment in here where like Zoe's bantering with, with Monic. yeah. And, and it was a very, uh, and, and, and take this as the compliments intended. It felt very mass effect too. Right. I'm like, <laughs> I'm in, you know, I'm in an elevator and my party's like bantering with each other and they don't need me. And it's like, cool. Um, but also cool. Yeah. They're getting along. This is good. Things are going to go well. Well, it's yeah. funny too, because as we were, as we were working on it, um, Zoe was giving Wynick a lot of, uh, a lot of gaff and, um, uh, John actually came over and was like, oh, I think she's being a bit mean to <laughs> <laughs> I thought for the character. <laughs> and so we actually put in some some other lines, wrote some other lines so that it was, you know, there was a bit more to and fro and, uh, you know, she's... She asks, I, I asks about the eye, eyeglasses. I maintain she's that. flirting, not bantering. But yes, these, right. guys, yeah. these guys so disagree. This is, this yeah. is the, the tough love that Colm, obviously. The, yeah. the, 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 the glasses thing actually felt like flirting. Yeah. yeah. I was like, is my droid flirting with this safari? What the hell is going on? Um, <laughs> uh, this, 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 can't, this can't go well. Um, switching, pivot away from VR into pure Star Wars at the moment. All right. Um, this season's crazy. With Star Wars, y'all. This is like, this might be peak Star Wars, and, and but I hope it isn't, because like, uh, I always need my fix. But <laughs> this this week, so let me just explain my day. Uh, uh, so, so one, I, once a week I've been watching one of the movies, uh, because uh, literally starting my birthday through would have been like one a week until... Rise of Skywalker. Oh, nice. Right? So it's like one a week, just like, and last night it was Star Wars because I, I decided to go episode order, which I've never done before. Wow. Okay. Uh, all these years. Uh, and and I have a 77 theatrical, so like I watched Star Wars, not <laughs> not A New Hope. Like it did not have A New Hope in the crawl. Oh, cool. So that was last night. This this morning, tonight it's a, a house party to watch the second episode of The Mandalorian. Nice. Nice. Uh, this... Uh, in between, I'll pick up Jedi Fallen Order. <laughs> and over the weekend, uh, the nerds are going to Galaxy's Edge for Life Day. So we're having, we're going to do a Life Day celebration. So it's That's it's a little intense, yeah, no. and <laughs> oh, which means freedom, by the way. Um, and and so I'm uh, even more than I usually am. I mention all this because um, there's particularly like some of like the the secrets and mysteries angle of of what's going on here. It feels like we're entering into a very particular. 
um, era of Star Wars storytelling, even as we close the saga off, this this idea of mystery. I mean, I don't want to say where, where this thing ends necessarily, but I'm, I'm looking at some of the stuff going on in, in what I'm hearing about Jedi Fallen Order, about like the exploratory, you know, this idea that there's always there's always a grander mystery. There's always a bigger mystery. The the very idea of the Black Bishop uh, in, in this uh, represents one of the mysteries of the Force. Mm-hmm. What is it like to be telling... A, a Star Wars story in this era, particularly because so much is coming out, so it can feel like, oh, maybe you'll get lost in the shuffle. But but it feels like there's this this sweep going on. Well, I think that um, Lucasfilm story, we work with them very closely, and they were actually very encouraging. Like we really wanted to show a different side to Vader, and that's what we set out to do in a couple of scenes in the first one, and then try and build up to paying that off at the end of this one. So. Because, I mean, a lot of that was out of can you feel sympathy for this iconic villain character and can you hark back to the history in a way that doesn't... that he still is the scary badass that you that you know, but can you show a different side? So, I mean, that was really empowering and um, encouraged by the story team who, who worked with us and, and with the writer David Goyer on, on the um, series. I think we weren't necessarily thinking about like we've been working on this for three years or so, and we weren't, and we came up with the story arc, you know, um, fairly early on. We weren't thinking about the fact that we would be out there with all of the other stuff that was going on. So it was, uh, it's a standalone story and, and that sort of thing. But there is a freedom. There was a freedom, I think, that we had because we we're in a new medium and we were able to explore. We was our job was to explore storytelling, and we wanted to explore different ways of storytelling, including things like the the visions and that sort of thing that we have in there. Um, so it was uh, it, it gave us license to be a little bit more experimental and 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 try and you know you want your story to have depth and resonance, and the characters to have depth and resonance, and so that was the primary thing I think the driving factor. This, this, I don't want to, no, I'm not going to say it that way. Um, Cause that might f- feel like a, a story spoiler when it's really not about that. It was just going to be a, it's going to be a nice segue type thing. Um, you've locked down so much. I keep coming back to the idea. Like, I feel like I have that, that, that full set of verbs at the end. Um, what has this given all of you? as an ambition for where to go next, not necessarily in terms of, uh, you know, what's maybe what story you want to tell or like the type of story you want to tell or what aspect of this that feels like it's even richer for exploration. Um, you know, I definitely feel like we're getting better and better at this. I really, I want the, the blend between when you have agency to move and not move to be better. Like, you know, I, it's we necessarily set you there to listen occasionally and we thought a lot about how to make that less and less apparent and so that's really one of the things I would want to be pushing forward with is saying okay how does how do we make it feel like you're opting into the story Mm. you know how do you feel like maybe there's an interesting character I'm going to go and they're going to start talking to me and that's how I learn the story so I think so it feels less like you know, you were talking about the cinematic quality and, you know, to do that, we sort of then say, okay, we're going to park you for a minute and you'll have to watch the scene play out. If we can if we can have that be more like you totally feel like you've opted in and made the decision to do that and that's that's where I want to explore the storytelling aspect for sure. Yeah, and from a d- design perspective, uh, we're just getting a little bit more daring <laughs> as we... Finish, uh, as we get more experience developing these VR stories, um, I remember way back then, um, someone said a design rule was don't move the player character. Like, don't toss them around. Don't, like, you know, forcefully um, move them around. Um, and so in episode three here, you get tossed around sometimes. And even in episode two, you get tossed around a little bit. Uh, we're taking you through, like, a long tunnel way that, you know, a lot of people were skeptical at first of how that would pay off or how would that feel. Uh, I mean, so we're just trying to really push the medium in these vocabularies. Like we aren't discovering, we we need to discover more of a vocabulary and more verbs to kind of play with so that in the future, you know, we will have a better understanding of what works and what doesn't work and then continuously pushing on 
and making sure that we're always kind of looking forward in what we can make in these in this medium really yeah i think the biggest opportunity is just how can we make the player feel yeah and the um what i what i what i love about just listening to this uh you know the guys telling the story about their journey over these three episodes is exactly what what John just said about being more daring. One of the things we talk about a lot in these sort of still early days of, of establishing this medium, this vocabulary is to be wary of people who establish hard and fast rules. Oh yeah. Right. People saying you must never move the camera. You must never move the player character. You must never have cuts. And it's like, you know what? None of that stuff is necessarily true. If you do it in a way that uh, turns out to be effective and yeah. turns out to be right for the medium. Like the, 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 the field is wide open. I feel almost like the, the one rule is actually whatever you do, be thoughtful about it. Yes. Right. Intentional. Exactly. Yeah. That's like, this is uh, ILMX lab are, are, are masters at that, like, uh, thought and measuring twice and cutting once in terms of, of how they approach these things. Other filmmakers we other filmmakers we work with, like for instance, Felix and Paul, who are very, very different medium and focused on video extremely thoughtful about everything that happens every motion of the camera every movement is very very thoughtfully built so i think that's exactly right you know so long as you have a reason to do what you're doing do whatever you want yeah i mean flashing back to the early days particularly around cutting and like you can look back at now and you can almost see like a filmmaker saying it and they're almost saying like oh i can't cut in this and then you see some people who are just like i'm gonna go and cut and almost like oh yeah that's why you can't cut because it was just like brah you know wanting right, to right. and then and then you then you go forward a little bit and it's like well, actually we can but it's this it's like it's how we do it and Alyssa just said it like how do you want the 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 audience to feel yeah you know um uh, the the that old mr robot piece that sam ishmael made makes you feel queasy and creeped out and paranoid because that's how he wanted to make you feel and and he used techniques that would make you feel that way so it's the same for any story yeah, yeah. i mean it's uh you know you are limited because it's a player perspective but it's like the you you are on a stage watching a play in a way and so you stage it to the player and you use mise-en-scene to direct the eye and um it's i i, I think we, we spend a lot of time saying okay how do we direct your attention and how do we make you feel and that's just something that we'll continue to do as we discover this vocabulary that colin's talking about well everyone i I actually I'm, I'm good here. I, if, if there's is there anything else about this whole this whole affair? There's, there's one thing we yeah. should say before we before we forget. As of Thursday, November 21st, if you buy an Oculus Quest, you get all three episodes for free. Oh, well, that just made the. Let's not forget that. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's that's a that's a that's a thing. Through January, right? Through January, right. yeah. Through January, it's like the, a holiday. yeah. It's a holiday the hol bundle. The holiday yeah. bundle. Yep. The Vader bundle. Yes. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna talk you guys at some point into doing like the Xbox 360 faceplates for the Oculus. <laughs> well, now you know. Now you now you don't have to worry about interfering with sensors. Uh, you know that kind of stuff is more more possible than it used to be with, yeah. with untethered headsets for sure. Yeah, inside out tracking. We'll talk a bit about sure. that later. I want, yeah. I want a Kylo. Yeah, we can no. negotiate a, li a license. <laughs> uh, everyone, any anyone else have anything about this one particular? No. Okay. Great. Um, thank you all. Um, this has been. This is always a delight and um, and a privilege. So, thanks. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you. Once again, I want to thank Ben Snow, Alyssa Finley, John Wen, and Colm Slevin for being our guests on the show. Uh, I know I, I did, did the rant thing at the start of, of the episode. It's been a while, so I did that. Partly because I got another one <laughs> on the back end here. There's like five or six. Uh, we're overdue for an irregular as well. But, but to stay on Vader Immortal for a second, you know, I, I, look, I, I, we all know I'm a massive Star Wars fan. You all probably suspected that I, I woke up and before I even left bed, I watched The Mandalorian Episode 3. And it's true, I did, partly because uh, Hal Hefner uh, texted me and was like, oh, it's so good! And uh, that's what I woke up to. Um, you're, you're right that I finished Jedi Fallen Order this week. Uh, and you're right that I'm very sad that I was just... Uh, too busy and kind of bummed out over the last weekend to go to any Life Day celebrations. Um, 
and uh and you're also writing that i bought vader immortal episode uh, three last night even though uh i am broke and uh, the credit cards they're starting to make these noises when i use them um mostly like what are you doing um that'd be actually really good if they did that um someone should get on that i say all that because um I've, I've suffered through a lot of bad Star Wars over my life and and bad Star Wars does this thing where it makes me question my life choices like full on like my whole life choices like my ethics my morality how much plastic I have brought into the world through purchases um just 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 every decision I've ever made since I was five years old gets thrown into question by any bad Star Wars content because that's the nervous disposition that I have. Um, and good Star Wars. Good Star Wars is a balm on the soul. And Vader Immortal is good Star Wars. It's good Star Wars. It's really good VR it's like I said at the start and was trying to do before I kind of like got distracted by the state of the world there is just so much that that team is doing which I hope everybody else just rips off rips off and iterates on because all right, so check this. Two things, two things, because this this is kind of where the other rant. So there's this. Um, I keep forgetting what it's called, but basically there's this uh, there's this uh, new headset for for certain type of virtual reality content uh, that's that's been getting a little bit of a buzz because its its form factor is essentially opera glasses and it's being pitched to like uh, you know art galleries and museums as a way of delivering uh, VR content to their um, guests without requiring people to like, you know, go through the process of strapping on, um, you know, a headset because everyone's making a big deal. Like, Oh, you got to put the headset on. You look stupid and da, 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 da. And look, yeah, sure. You do whatever. Um, if the content, that word, if what is being presented to you is compelling enough and if it is truly taking advantage of the six degrees of freedom, which is real VR, then you're not going to care that you got this thing strapped to your face because it's acting as a window to another world. All right. It's, it's your snorkel into an alternate reality. If you can use VR like a viewmaster, which is what three degrees of freedom is. All right. It's functionally a viewmaster. Then just put it on a screen, man. Like, put it on a tablet. Let people use it that way. Let them hold it away from their faces. Okay? Like, it's it's not the thing that's going to make people want to really engage with VR. All right? I'm of the opinion at this point that the Three Degrees of Freedom headsets were a terrible, terrible, terrible mistake. They never should have been marketed. They never should have been put out. They are the thing that has hobbled adoption. There's a there's a bonus episode of the podcast this week that's on the Patreon feed, uh, which was embargoed uh, as an early access thing, and now it's open for everybody. Uh, and it's an interview with Edward Saatchi of Fable Studios. Uh, they just held their second virtual being summit this week. And that was really interesting at times terrifying. And I'm, I'm still going to write it up. Like I was, I was torn in so many directions, uh, because I, I love the, the work that Fable studio does. Um, and Pete, uh, Pete Billington gave an am amazing talk about, uh, you know, their process on Lucy and the way their approach to characters and all the things they've learned. And there, there was, there was like this, this kind of interesting confluence of like, folks from like the creative side and the, and the academic side, and even like a, a really good VR, uh, AI ethicist, and then folks from marketing and the people who are, um, you know, hold all the rights to like all the deceased celebrities who are like trying to bring them back as like virtual characters. 
as virtual beings uh, who can then, you know, go, you know, take jobs. Um, I'm sure you've heard about the whole, like, you know, they're, they're digitally going to try to digitally resurrect James Dean so that he can go take, um, play a role in this adaptation of a story because James Dean's the perfect actor to play this part, um, which, which is just, it's this puzzle box. And Edward and I like get into it a bit because I mean, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of the idea of, of resurrecting dead people to go take gigs. Um, and yet I'm also can recognize that if someone were to say, Hey, Noah, we've got a holodeck and you know, you can run through star Wars with, you know, 30 something Harrison Ford, or you've got, um, you know, an all new, an all new, like Robin hood style adventure starring Errol Flynn, uh, do you want to go play it? Right. Um, I, I would be first in line. Right. So like why some things and, and why not others and, and the kind of the relationship of, of agency and, and all that stuff because it's bundled in this like Gordian knot. Right. So that's the thing about uh, I was discomfited by the virtual being summit and, and at times discomfited by that conversation with Edward because I'm not entirely certain what exactly it is, where I draw the line and, and why some things feel wrong and some things feel right. And all of it needs to be talked about uh, because the technology is just barreling forward at, at a rapid pace and how and why we do things. But there's also another element why it relates to VR is that Edward's kind of in this mode, and you'll hear him in the interview where, um, he, you know, he, he's, basically like, Hey, VR, AR is not going to get here yet. It's, it's far off. So let's take the work we've been doing over there for a while and bring it back to flat screens. Um, and his position is that, you know, maybe we can sell more screens, more, more devices, uh, because those sales also tapered off. Um, I just, I don't, I think that the screen device sales are, are going to stay tapered off. Um, there can be a bump as more sensors get into stuff, right? But like, there's <laughs> you only need so many screens. Like, only so many people can afford so many screens. Like, everyone who wants a smartphone and and can afford a smartphone is gonna get a smartphone. And at this rate, there's kind of no reason not to have a smartphone. Like, the people, I don't know if you're gonna sell screens to folks smartphone screens to folks who really don't want a smartphone. And if they really don't want a smartphone, I, I doubt they're going to be into something like a Facebook portal, uh, any of those things. Um, and there's, there's all kinds of reasons because of the sensors, right? You know, because of the way it's getting this window into, into our world, but where it really impacts our corner of the universe from a design perspective is this question around when it comes to interactivity, when it comes to um, creating a play space for people relating to virtual characters, virtual characters like Vader in Vader Immortal or like Lucy in Fable or coming into contact with other people driving virtual avatars uh you look at you know double doug from uh, uh digital domain right uh where it's a, a copy of a person uh, that can be driven by him or driven by other people all of that sort of stuff um this stuff is is quintessential and it's required for that dream of the virtual D&D table right and that virtual D&D table might be delivered as a series of AR overlays on our laptops or on a, on a tablet uh, that's like kind of standalone freeform or in a VR headset, okay? And, and that, all the tools you would use, right? There's, there's a point here of the technology kind of doesn't matter, right? The technology doesn't matter the storytelling and the design for connection. That's what matters, right? The media we use, right? Is this going to be better as pen and ink? Is this going to be better as clay? 
is this going to be better as people in costumes? All right. What impact are we trying to get? What emotional connection are we trying to forge? These things, these things matter because if our long-term dream is the holodeck and let's face it for a lot of us, that is what did the qualities of the holodeck have? Well, the holodeck was a bunch of holograms that are projected uh, that use force fields in order to create tactile feedback, right? Like that's how a holodeck works. And you are able to create an endless routing of walking by probably some combination of redirected walking and again, force fields so that you never leave the middle of the damn thing. Um, that is cool. But what made the holodeck something really interesting was the stories they told and the characters they interacted with, the places that they built, all the things that were designed and developed and, and, and modified and played with and dreamed up and made real, right? That's the point. We're trying to make our dreams real. We're trying to explore new ideas, new aspects of ourselves. It's why I've always liked the holodeck episodes of Next Generation. Oh boy, I'm talking Star Wars, Star Trek on a Star Wars episode. Um, probably more than I liked the, the the other episodes. I mean, I like anyway. Let's not get that. I love plenty of Next Generation, but the holodeck episodes always felt like something special. Large part because you got to see a different aspect of a character. Like the Dixon Hill episodes of Next Generation are probably my absolute favorites because I love watching Patrick Stewart play John Luke Picard playing a private eye. Right, that stacking of identity, this idea that we have these many aspects of ourselves. Right, and this acknowledgement that these sandboxes, these tools, these these virtual creations, impact our behavior as well. Right? It's not just about how we're building these uh, objects and, and experiences, but it's also about how do those experiences then alter our behavior, this loop between creator and created. Right? And that, the study of that, the exploration of that, and how that can be used to uh, bring out the best in ourselves as opposed to the worst in ourselves, that right there. That's the whole game. And whether it's manifesting as VR, as AR, as a virtual character that we're talking to on a, you know, wall size screen, as a person who is playing a role in physical space, as someone on the other end of a phone call, it doesn't matter what form it takes as much as the what and the how that interaction is going. That's what matters. That elasticity, that relationship between us and the other world. Okay. Um, these rants feel a bit like a mess, but I'm, 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 I'm trying to unpack a lot. It's been a very, 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 very big week for VR and there's a lot going on and I'm trying to like dig down and there's still the, the eternal questions like, you know, how is all this stuff monetizable and will we get an install base and da, 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 da. Um, I'm trying to dig down into what's, what's, what's fundamental and what's interesting here. Right. Um, and it all comes back to that, that relationship, that relationship between us and and each other between ourselves and the system of the world and the way in which story and play are able to modify how we see the world and how we act upon the world and then how the world acts upon us. All right. Enough of that. Uh, there's other work to be done. Um, hey, 
if you stuck around this long and you're new to all this, maybe drop a dime in, in the patreon.com slash no proscenium. Um, if you already give and you stick around, you're like, ah, no, why? Um, you know, hey, I get it. Uh, maybe, maybe, maybe you go bye bye. And it's it would suck for me, but I, I, I get it. Um, uh, but we we carry forward, uh, and and the explorations continue. Okay, so uh, let's do the credits on the show. Sustaining backers for No Persinium are Mark Balthazar, Jan Budman, Paul F, Lonnie Hansen, Ari Hurston, Sam Kinkin, Samuel Mustry, and Sydney Guillory. Again, uh, I'll I'll try and toss a link to uh, Ari's thing in the show notes. Um, the music for No Persinium is by Chris Porter of the Speakeasy Society. Uh, if this was your first time on the show. <laughs> I should use these to like kind of introduce people gently. And instead I always drop on a deep end. You can find us at no proscenium.com. You're at no proscenium on Twitter at no underscore proscenium on Instagram. Also at no proscenium on Facebook and at Facebook. You can also find our big old group, everything immersive uh, by typing in everything immersive or going to everything immersive.com, which will lead you to the group. Um, that's it. Uh, anything else you might need to know, you can find, uh, you can always find links to everything at the bottom of any article, uh, on no proscenium, including how to submit your work to be considered for the newsletter or review. Um, that's it. Uh, I am a, uh, very addle brained, no one else, <laughs> your host. And until next time, I'll see you at the show. <laughs>